take your Bibles, please, and turn to the 140th Psalm. As I worked on this lesson, message over the week, I know the topic on Sunday morning, but this morning, I, as I listened, I, I, I took in the word I was hearing, and then this afternoon I realized how similar it is to, to what we're going to share tonight, but in another way. Four lessons on trusting the Lord through opposition. The morning subject is spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God. Opposition is, is spiritual warfare. And so, let's go ahead and share together these 13 verses of this psalm as we get started. David writes, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips, Selah. Or in other words, stop and meditate on that and think about that. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purposed to overthrow my goings. The proud have hid a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me, Selah. I said unto the Lord, Thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked, further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. Selah. As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let the burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into the deep pits, that they rise not up again. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely... The righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Trusting the Lord through, through opposition. There's some young guys around here and they hit the gym a lot. They, they work out. They're kind of, kind of addicted to it. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's good to be fit, good to do that. I used to do that when I was the age of... Some of those teenagers, I, I, don't, I don't know if we were trying to, to develop our muscles or kill each other. You know, I, I don't know how the machines are set up today, but, but in the past you took this pin 
and and if somebody said they wanted it on 130 pounds, you would, you know, you could put the pin in there. Well, they couldn't see what we were doing back there, so we were, we put it in the 10 pounds, and they and they took that that machine and, and they put their hands around those pads and. And they, they thought they were about to pull 130 pounds, and they pulled 10 pounds, and they hit their head with that thing. Sometimes on the free weights, they wanted a, another plate added. So we would look at each other. One would grab a 35-pound plate. The other would grab a 25-pound plate. We'd put it on there, and you know what happened next, right? It, it went just like that. And so, so it seems like maybe it was a time where we were going to destroy each other when it was really a good time that we be developed, you know, developed in our muscles. It was a lot of pain. It was a lot of sweat. It was a lot of soreness the next day. There was a lot of fatigue, but ultimately it was for our good to develop us. Joe Ross sent us home a few times, though. He was some... some uh, minor bodybuilder and he ran the gym and he saw us trying to destroy one another and he just sent us home for the day. He said, y'all guys come back tomorrow when you can work out right. You know, it, to turn that around and to consider the, the spiritual condition and the opposition that you and I face, Satan is trying to destroy us. He wants to take anything and anyone he can in any way, and he wants to distract us from the Lord. He wants to discourage us. He wants us to be calloused with bitterness. He wants us to give in to the temptation of hatred because of this opposition that we are in. But the Lord wants to use this experience of opposition that we face to develop us. He wants to use the things that, that we would call difficult, that we might even call bad, and He wants to do good with those things in our lives, and He wants to use those things, and He will if we will trust Him through all things. Four lessons on trusting the Lord through opposition we're talking about tonight. And, and so here we have a psalm of David. And David is probably a very young man here. David is probably not even king yet. And Saul is king. Yet David is living for the Lord. He's standing out and he's shining. You know the story about how Saul became envious over David, and you might think about some of Saul's officers seeing a man walking for the Lord, a man walking in the light of the Lord, and maybe those officers trying to trap him and set him up to make him look bad. You know, we, we take a situation in that day, and we can apply it today because we are dealing with Satan today still. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's an accuser. He's a deceiver. And he wants to destroy our lives. He is always opposing us. So we desperately need lessons for trusting the Lord through opposition. If we don't trust the Lord through opposition, we fall off. 
we fall away. You know, my, in sports, my, my heart always seems to go for the underdog. You take my favorite team, and, and man, my heart just goes to the underdog. And I think about the hearts of Christians when we think about those who may have fallen to the wayside, for those who have given up, and we, we think about them, we pray about them, and it breaks our heart for those who have been stopped, who have been stunted by the opposition in this world. And so, we pray for them. We could be just where they are, so we need to learn to trust the Lord through opposition. And we're going to look at four things. The one, one is the pounce upon God's people. And we see that in the first five verses. Look with me again at David's bad situation as he says, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man. David's godly walk before others had the light of the Lord shining into their darkness. You know, when those in darkness are exposed to the light, they can do one of two things. They can come to the light, or they can try to get one of the, rid of the one who is casting light upon them. In this case, it's the latter that these officers chose, these who were around David. It, and the opposition tried to remove the one who was walking in the light. And so we see David's bad situation, but let's look at the bad thoughts in the pounce on God's people, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually, they are gathered together for war. Imagine mischiefs in their heart. People don't even need a real situation to cause a stir. They create it within their own hearts, within their minds. Why would somebody do that? Well, many times it's, it's done and it's planned in such a way that it would be for their profit that they could have some kind of gain for whatever they could drum up. They want to carry out their bad thoughts. Many times the enemy does so that they can look good. So that they can, they can try to make God's people look bad and make them look good. A little slander here and a little lie over there from out of their own heart. No wonder why. One of those things the Lord hates in Proverbs is a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. There are carefully planned attacks that come upon God's people who are walking in the light, living in His will. And even though something can be made up, and, and it's not even real what is, what is charged and brought against us as God's people, it it still causes a difficulty to face it in battle. I mean, Satan is a deceiver. And it causes a difficulty because he is, Satan's behind it all. 
So we see David's bad situation. We see the bad thoughts of those who oppose him. We see the bad words in verse 3. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. How are bad thoughts revealed? You know, how can you judge that somebody's having these kind of thoughts? By the words. The words expose these thoughts. Thoughts become words. And in a minute we'll get to words becoming actions. And David compares these words to a serpent. You know, you think about a serpent with a, with a forked tongue and those, those tiny pits where, where the, the forkedness of the tongue is in the mouth and, and always ready to strike. The source for the words that, that are voiced by the opposition against David came from came from the wicked imagination. It came from the mind and a desire to hurt David. It's a desire to hurt the people of God with these words. Therefore, their words are likened unto poison. Paul spoke about this in the New Testament in Romans chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. David, David knew this. David called it out. He called it out. He called them snakes. Not only were there words against David, but let's consider those words spoken to Paul about David. What, what all was it? Was it just David becoming king? That, that Saul went about the attitude that he had? How about the bad thoughts of some of his officers maybe? Helping to create a bad attitude from Saul toward David. That it, that it can contribute anyway. But let's go from the bad words to the bad actions. David says, Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purpose to overthrow my goings. The proud have hid a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins. That's, a, that's another word for traps. They have set gins for me, Selah. So they hallucinate about David. They've heralded bad words from their fictitious thoughts about David. Now they want to get their hands on him. It happened to our Lord Jesus. Think about what happened to him. The hands of the enemy pulled him. They, they punched him. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. And they pierced him on a cross. And there's an enemy that wants to pounce you and I today. And it's, it's serious. It's premeditated. God's people are watched, studied, and we're wanted. That we, might not, that we might not look to the Lord, that our trust would be in Him, but that we might be trapped by them. There's a pounce on God's people. 
But let's look at David's response and the example, the, the lesson we can learn from him. And let's look at the prayer of God's people in verses 6 through 8. I said unto the Lord, Thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves, Selah. You know, we, we must humble ourselves before the Lord and, and open up to Him about how hard it is to, to deal with these type of things and, and to live among those who would do the kind of things that Satan wants them to do to us. We're not to hate back. That's the easy thing to do. That's, that's the response of the flesh that's a popular response probably, but that's not what we're to do. We're to ask the Lord's help. We need to seek the Lord and speak to the Lord about these matters because we need the right heart to deal with these matters and the wisdom to work through the things that would come against us. We need the helmet of salvation in the hailstorm from the enemy. Notice as we see a glimpse of the armor of God here in verse 7. Thou hast covered mine head in the day of battle. We need the helmet of salvation from our Lord. David, David knew this. Which seems to be at a time where he was a young man and David has learned, is learning the lesson of these things. And you know, no, no matter how deep the scheming thoughts are, how hurtful words are, or how violent the hands are, when we go to the one who has the whole world in his hand and all power, we're going to make it through the opposition. There is victory when we trust the Lord through the opposition that comes our way. Look, if David is having some insight here to the operations of the wicked and the way that they function, consider how the Lord knows the thoughts of the enemy, deciphers their words, and can counter the bad actions of others. David didn't have what he needed in himself to fight off the enemy attack. If any one of us do, we're going to become bitter. We're going to become callous trying to fight this fight on our own. But when we turn to the Lord and He keeps our hearts tender, He gives us wisdom. David goes to God for the enemy attack. He goes to the Lord and David gives God the glory for it. And he teaches us the lesson of trusting the Lord through opposition. He said in verse 7, O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation, Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Who knows tonight that they need the Lord's protection, the Lord's help, and the Lord's wisdom in the day of battle in this world, in the constant opposition that we faced. Because when the battle ends, another one will soon begin. Sometimes the battles go on. 
David says in another psalm, How long, O Lord? The battle goes on, but it develops us. God's doing a developing work. It's painful, and it burns, and it hurts, and we become fatigued, but He's developing us in the battle. And He's protecting us from being destroyed. This happens for us. This happens for us when we don't pounce back. But we trust the Lord through all of our opposition. That we pray to the Lord. We pray about our enemies. And we even pray for our enemies. You know, we can either fall when opposition comes our way, or we can learn the lesson of trusting the Lord to be able to overcome it. There is a temptation to go in many directions when harm comes our way. There's a temptation to run. There's a temptation to fret. There's a temptation to hide. But there's only one way that is right. There are trips and there are traps in every direction but one. And that is down the road of trusting the Lord in our time of opposition. That path will never cause us to be tripped up. That, That path will never set us at home. That path will never have us to give up on our service to the Lord or the things of God. David's response to the pounce on God's people is his prayer. He's praying and he's trusting the Lord. But let's continue to look at the lesson of trusting the Lord through opposition and why we need to trust the Lord through opposition. And in verses 9 through 11, we see the power against evil plots. As for the head of those that compass me about, let mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into the deep pits, that they rise not up again. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Let me me first say what I almost always say when we come to a place in the Bible where it looks like the man of God is, is vindictive and desiring revenge against the enemies because it's not as some might think it is if that's what you might think we just read. It's actually quite the opposite. David is abandoning any thought of revenge from himself by trusting in God's justice system. God is a God of justice. He loves His justice system that He has given us in His Word. Do you believe in it? Do you believe that we're to recompense to no man the the evil that they bring upon us, but that vengeance belongs to the Lord? It is His business. He will repay, He says. David is trusting in God's justice. That's what you get out of what he says here in verses 9 through 11. It's believing God's law 
concerning sowing and reaping. That's a, that's a universal law that, that no one should argue with. Galatians 6, 7 says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. David's thinking about that. He's not thinking about personal revenge. He's thinking about that. David's God does what is right. David's God is a good keeper of the score. He's keeping up with all things. David's God carries out justice and he carries out judgment. David wasn't wanting wicked plans against him to fail just for his own well-being or his own happiness, but that those who oppose God would experience the reality of the true character of God in His judgment and His justice, and that it is God's business. You know, when, when those who oppose God dig pits for God's people, it's those who oppose God that fall into their own pits. We can trust the Lord through opposition because... Our enemies think they're hurting us, but they are not doing what they think they are doing. They are hurting themselves. When one attempts to trouble God's people, it is going to come back on them. And as I say some of these things, let me just stop and say this. This is not a message for us to experience a great satisfaction of the punishment that's going to come upon those who would try to do harm to God's people. But a lesson for us to learn to trust the Lord through opposition. That when opposition comes, we would not go to the left, we would not go to the right, we would not, we would not sit down and quit, that we would not focus on the offenses against us, but place our opposition in the hands of the Lord. Wash our hands of the desire, the fleshly desire for any recompense and give them to the Lord and serve Him through it. Serve Him through it and trust Him and be developed and be matured as a child of God. When we face opposition, the plot of those who oppose us is to stop us from living for the Lord. But God has a plan in this opposition that He either sends or He allows. And that is to keep us moving forward. God wants to show off. God wants to show out in our lives. Not that everything would be great when everything's great, but everything would be great for the child of God in a time of opposition. And that we would not fail, we would not fall, but we would live by faith moving forward for the Lord. The the prophet Habakkuk knew all about this. Whether it was personal against him or whether it was just the people in the land and what they were doing. He was so focused on them, he even got critical against God about what are you going to do about all of this? Your judgment just doth not go forth. But this minor prophet 
learned a major lesson about the opposition from the experience he had. He learned that no matter what was going on around him, what did, what did David say? As for the head of those that compass me about, no matter what was going on around him, no matter what the people were doing, no matter the circumstances, this is how he ends and concludes after going up in the watchtower and sitting and waiting for God to speak to his heart about all of this stuff. He says, yet... All, all of these, he, he mentioned so many, so many things we would call negative. So, so many, the, the land barren and, and, and all of these things that seem to be working against him and, and everything to do with the things of God. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Through a time of opposition, he was going to be able to rejoice. Through a time of opposition, he had strength. The Lord was his strength. The time of opposition was trying to weaken him, trying to exhaust him. But he looked to the Lord instead of looking around, and he found the Lord to be his strength. Let us not fall for the lie of the devil. Let's believe God's truth. Let us look to the judgment of God. Not that we desire it upon those who would come against us, but, but we leave it in God's hands. We trust Him. He is the God of His Word. And He is going to bring forth His Word. He's going to back up and fulfill all of His Word. Look to the judgment of God within the character of God. And, and I tell you what. When we consider the judgment of God coming against those who would be our enemies, here's what will happen in, in these lessons on trusting the Lord through opposition. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to end up begging for mercy for our enemies when we think about the judgment of God. It's never too late. It's never too late for someone to be saved. And who wants someone to have to face the judgment of God? Granddaddy told on his brother one time. And the whipping his brother got, instead of telling on him next time, he went and begged him not to do what he did. He begged him to turn from that, that he wouldn't have to face that judgment of dad. And the judgment of God is coming. And it's going to cause us to have mercy for our enemies rather than get mad. I, I once knew someone who did harm to one of the Lord's churches. I, I didn't know the church. I'd never been in the church. I, I kind of knew the person. And they, and, and they did harm. And, and I ran around and did a few things to try to stop it, to try to encourage that church. I know that wasn't my business. I wasn't a member of that church, but uh, I was young in the Lord, and, that, and that's what I tried to do. And I found myself tempted to be angry at someone trying to harm the Lord's church. And then God used someone to, to set me down to talk to, about and for me to meditate on the judgment of God upon mankind that rejects Him. And 
And it caused me to pray for mercy for that one who had harmed the Lord's church. This is what's going to happen all the time in our lives when we are trusting the Lord through the opposition that, that we face. We're going to want grace for another because there's coming a time where it's going to be too late for grace and it's going to be the judgment of God. And we don't want that. There is a power against evil plots. God is going to respond to our enemies in His perfect timing and consider how He responds. And when we consider how He responds, we're not going to be so miserable over the opposition, but we're going to want mercy, mercy for them. Let us look at the last lesson on, on trusting the Lord through opposition, and that is the power for God's people, verses 12 and 13. David says, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Consider the beginning of this real quick. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me, O Lord, from the violent man. And now, did you, did you listen to David's victory? Did you listen to his strength there in the end in verses 12 and 13? The power for God's people. The Lord has a very special interest in the pressures and the problems, the oppression that others will try to hurt the people of God in their life with. And it is very good for you and I to know this. Did you, did you see what David said in verse 12? I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. That, that sounds like peace to me. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. David goes through the opposition that he faces. And then he says, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. God gave David victory over his enemies. He came to know that. It's important to know that. Where are you and I tonight? concerning this. Where was David at some point in time but before he was able to say, I know? Before he was able to apply, I know? I wonder how low David might have become at different times. So as, as we read through the Psalms, we, we, it, it sounds like he got very low at, at some time. It, it, it may be that he was holding on by a thread and, and he almost allowed himself to be destroyed from the opposition that came against him before he came to know that God would develop him through his journey of opposition that he faced. I'm glad to learn the lesson tonight that David 
that God is using David to teach us about trusting the Lord through opposition. I'm glad that David didn't throw in the towel because look at what David ended up becoming. He was placed on the throne of Israel. God used David to establish a dynasty that would ultimately bring forth our Savior into this world. Look at how many Psalms God used David to write. And so many of them inspire us to press on through opposition. Go look at them. Go look at how David appears to begin in complaining and he ends rejoicing in the Lord though what he was complaining about is still existing in his life. He still rejoiced in the Lord. God used him to teach us to press on through opposition. David was a great man of God who was grateful to God. And he learned to trust God. And he glorified God in in all that he did. The two Psalms back, the 138th Psalm, David says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. When I read that verse, it made made me think about a verse more familiar to us maybe from, from Philippians, as Paul tells the church at Philippi, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. No amount of opposition can stop the Lord from accomplishing in our lives what he has planned to accomplish. Pastor Stone has mentioned our part throughout this series. Put on. Today, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let God accomplish everything that He plans to accomplish in our life. What opposition can stop God from carrying forth and bringing forth His plan for our lives? There's no opposition that can do that. You know, that, that's enough to keep us from walking out and going home and sitting on the couch. That's enough right there to keep us serving the Lord, to keep us loving God's people, gathering with God's people, worshiping Him in His church until the day that He comes back. Who... Why would we quit and go off down some dead-end road when the Lord has promised to us to accomplish everything He has planned through our lives, knowing the opposition, knowing the hurdles, knowing the roadblocks that would come our way? And as I say that, and as we go ahead and close this tonight, I think of the opposition that tries to come against those who have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, whether whether it be pride, whether it be worrying about what someone thinks because you have made some kind of impression that you are already a Christian, it, it is too serious a matter 
that when God gets our attention and troubles our hearts over the most important thing in our lives, it's, it's way too important for us to let the opposition get in the way and the lies of the devil to keep speaking to us. And if there's anyone here tonight, and, and, and you're kind of saying to yourself right now that, that, that it's you. Yeah, yeah, preacher, that, that's me. I, I, have, I have had such wishful thinking and, and such false hope that I've exhausted myself with trying to tell myself that I am saved. If you are not, will you, will you deal with that tonight? Will you let the Lord save your soul from your sins? Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Let Him give you a home in heaven and let all God's people rejoice with you. Be a, be a witness in front of some 70, 80 people immediately of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him save your soul. As we pray, child of God, be, be encouraged that no matter what opposition comes our way, trust in the Lord through it. He, he's going to take us through every single thing that would come against us. There is an enemy. There is the constant pressing against us from Him. But greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Let us pray. Father God, as we bow tonight, Lord, I thank You for being able to meditate on Your Word and to consider the reality of what's constantly coming against us while we're here. But Lord, to know how great you are and to know that we can trust you through all of these things. And if you be for us, who can be against us? We praise you for the confidence we can have that you're going to fulfill your purpose in our lives no matter what tries to come against us, if we will only continue to look to you and trust you, Lord. And, and when we do, we see how small all of this opposition becomes. We love you tonight, Lord. I thank you for your eternal salvation and that you're mighty to save tonight. And if there be one here who is lost, Lord, we pray that they would be saved. We pray that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen.